Welcome to this week's edition of The Green on Delaware Public Media. I'm your host, Tom Byrne. Last fall, a task force began work on examining the Delaware Interscholastic Athletic Association, or DIAA, the piece of Delaware's Department of Education that oversees high school and middle school sports in the first state. The task force was born out of complaints about DIAA and its handling of issues such as student transfers and coaches' contact with student-athletes out of season. But these individual issues have led to a larger question. Is DIAA, as it's currently constructed, up to the challenge of governing the modern and evolving scholastic sports landscape? To help us examine that question and the various issues DIAA faces, we sat down this week with the organization's executive director, David Baylor. Dave, I wanted to ask you, I mean, it feels like DIAA recently has been kind of, you know, facing almost an avalanche of, of issues, things ranging from, you know, managing the pandemic a couple of years ago, changing division structures, transfer and eligibility rules, out-of-season coaching, and so on. Uh, I- I'm curious, when you took over last summer, was there a little of a where-do-I-begin feeling with diving into this job? Uh, there's still a where-do-I-begin uh, feeling right now. You know, the DIAA has been in existence since, I think it's 2002. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, sports have grown in the state. Uh, schools have been added. The whole uh, educational structure has changed, but the DIAA has not. And um, one of the things that I've, I've come to learn since I've been here is that um, the resources that we have to do the job is, is, is severely lacking. And uh, so some of the issues that you've identified are compounded because of that lack of having an infrastructure that can support uh, what high school sports, interscholastic sports means to uh, a state. So, um, yeah, the challenges are significant. Uh, I'm trying to work through it. I was going to say, as you look at those structural issues, I guess, one of the big things on your plate is trying to address that through the work of the uh, Delaware Interscholastic Athletic Association Task Force. Um, and it feels like just through these first meetings of that task force that um, there is a sense, and correct me if I'm wrong, overall that there's a, the path forward to reimagining DIAA does in fact lie at its base in, in reimagining the structure and how it operates. Um, you, you mentioned kind of like the staffing issues. Are, are there some other key operational and structural issues that you feel like absolutely have to be identified for DIAA to be effective in whatever form it is in? Yes. Yeah, so uh, currently, because we fall under the Department of Education in the state, we have to follow the administrative uh, regulatory process, which uh, uh, has, as I've learned, is probably about a three to four month process to get a regulation either adopted or changed or rescinded. That can hamper the effectiveness of your operation. And we're finding that when we're dealing with everything from waivers, transfers, uh, competitiveness, like, for example, as you outlined it in the beginning of, uh, of the opening of the segment, you know, we've gone through realignment for football. There are some other sports that would like that. But to be able to to take on those challenges, we have to streamline the regulatory process. We also have to streamline the finance process. The finance process is cumbersome in that, you know, to be able to get workers to work state championships and everything, you want to be able to pay them in a timely fashion 
uh, sometimes that has been a challenge. So those are some of the obstacles other than human resources that we need to to change to make us more uh, nimble uh, and flexible to be an effective organization. And Dave, one of the suggestions that has come up is taking DIAA out of the Department of Education and state government and making it an independent nonprofit like we see in some other states like PIAA in Pennsylvania. Do you feel like that move alone could solve many of these issues we're talking about uh, and other issues that have come up in terms, you know, with you know, the Public Integrity Commission and, and other governmental entities that, that also, because of what you said earlier, are involved in this process? To answer your question, we are an overregulated organization. So, yes, from a micro look at something, yes, removing us from DOE would, would solve a lot of those problems. From a macro uh, look, you, you have to look at your funding. So to be able to do that effectively and efficiently, and if the goal is to make us self-sustaining, we're going to have to need some kind of capital from the uh, state legislature to get us underway. And then I would imagine if we got the proper capital and I was able to uh, put together the proper staffing, there's two ways we can approach this. One is becoming like a majority of the states that have a 501c3, and you become your self-sustaining entity, uh, which would help us in the regulatory process, the finance process, and be able to, I think, be more uh, user-friendly to our member schools. Right? In order for that to happen, we're going to have to have some capital from the a capital investment from the state legislature to get us underway. And that capital investment will allow us to become self-sufficient. And I think within uh, two to three years at the most, we can be a self-sufficient entity like other states. Or if we stayed under Department of Education, it would have to be a hybrid, which would free us from a, a lot of those regulatory restrictions. And I guess if you wind up being an independent nonprofit, a standalone operation, I guess in some ways, it also could affect the structural issue as well, right? I mean, theoretically, you could then maybe address staffing and start having the staff that you would want to have, again, assuming there's the funding to make that happen. But that would be, I guess, part of the process. You would be able to kind of determine what is the staffing we need and how to implement it the way that would be most effective. Exactly right. So the next task force meeting is uh, February 20th, and I'm supposed to put forth a plan on how I see uh, those, that infrastructure being created to make us uh, a more fluid and effective organization. What are some of the things you, you do feel are necessary staffing-wise for this to be an optimal governing body? So structural-wise, one, one of the things I'm looking at is uh, adding a finance marketing person to the team, a compliance uh, director to the team, a liaison for each county, because uh, that direct person would have direct contact with the member schools. Uh, and we'd be able to triage and provide a direct service in a more immediate fashion than we currently are able to. So Dave, while this all gets sorted out, I mean, there are the decisions that you need to make on pressing issues in real time. You know, for example, you know, what can you do in DIAA's current form to make transfer and eligibility questions work more smoothly for students and their families, um, as one example? Well, well Tom, that, that's a challenge because 
just think of it this way. Uh, at any given time, or any given day, I should say, I could get between, say, a half a dozen to a dozen transfer waiver requests. Those are usually voluminous in the paperwork. You have to go through that. Uh, and then, you you know, you have to make a determination of whether you're going to issue an interim waiver or not. And then that still has to be heard before the board. That's a, that's a time-consuming process. For example, right now, we're in the process of trying to get in a championship mode for, we just finished track and field last Saturday. We have wrestling coming up, swimming and diving, and basketball. Um, so, I mean, just imagine two people trying to uh, manage their way through all of those and still try to have that uh, administrative responsibility of, of dealing with transfers and tr waiver requests and, and, and working with the board on complex issues like transgender and all. So uh, that's, the, that's the challenges that we're faced with on a daily basis with the current structure. You, you mentioned transgender uh, athletes' participation, as, as, and, and that's one of uh, you know, a couple of emerging issues you have to deal with. Um, since you brought it up, I'm curious, is that an issue Delaware really needs to address sooner rather than later to kind of get ahead of? There hasn't been any issues in Delaware yet, but we've obviously seen them elsewhere. Is that something Delaware really needs to get ahead of instead of waiting to be kind of reactionary to? Well, I mean, we've, we've, we've had an individual uh, by the name of Kathy Carpenter who has addressed the board in the December meeting and questioned our current, regula current regulations. So the board at that time decided to ask the Sportsmanship Committee, the uh, Rules and Regulations Committee, and the Sports Medicine Advisory Committee to look at the issue. And each, uh, each committee is to come back to the board with recommendations. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, that process is underway. And I'm sure that they're, we're getting information that the U.S. Department of Education will be coming out with some uh, guidelines uh, in March, April time period. So that's how we're trying to address it. Uh, another issue that, that is kind of emerging is, is the issue of name, image, and likeness, which has obviously started filtering down from the collegiate level, now even to the high school level. Uh, where does uh, DIAA stand on dealing with NIL issues at the high school level? So uh, the, in the January board meeting, the board had a very, I'd say, open discussion about NIL. And uh, what was decided uh, at that board meeting was for to look at our eligibility rule, our amateurism rule, I should say regulation. And uh, the direction was given to uh, the Deputy Attorney General and to the IAA to take some language uh, primarily from the Oklahoma uh, Interscholastic Athletic Association's NIL regulation and incorporated with our amateurism regulation, and that is being brought forth back to the board on the February meeting to begin the process of allowing NIL in Delaware. So, Dave, no matter how all this plays out, how important is it that the state get it right this time in terms of structuring DIAA? How important is it to get it right for the overall health of scholastic sports in Delaware? It's important to get it right because interscholastic sports our athletics means a lot to a lot of people. If you just think about it from this landscape, a lot of parents, as they were growing up, participated in their interscholastic sports in one fashion or another. Either they attended to support their school or they were student athletes. 
And, you know, that kind of just continues to evolve and roll over generation to generation. Keeping kids involved and engaged in school, school activities, interscholastic athletics plays an important part of that. You know, from my background as, as a former law enforcement officer, you would rather see kids involved in interscholastic athletics and supporting school events than hanging out on the streets. Uh, from a socialization development standpoint and being able to function later in life, learning the rules of being a part of a team and being a part of something that all plays hand in hand. So interscholastic athletics is important. It's a developmental function. It's a teaching function. And we we have to do more in Delaware than what we're doing to make the experience better for everyone. That is the students, the coaches, the schools, the parents, and the community. And um, there's a lot of opportunity out here to help teach our, our young men and women on how to be able to function in life later by being a part of interscholastic athletics. So we're at a crossroads, we're at a critical point, and things need to change to make this opportunity better for everyone. Optimistic, this process is on the right track. I'm, I'm very optimistic. I'm encouraged that there are some legislators that really are committed to making change. Is it going to be easy? No. But this is a pure example of life. Life isn't easy. So we're going to have to, uh, we're going to, have to evolve. And I think, I think the timing is right. I think everyone realizes it. And I think I'm encouraged that, that, that I, I truly believe we're heading in the right direction. And uh, I'm glad to be a part of this. I'm a fighter, not a quitter. So uh, we're going to make it right, whichever way we have to go with this to do that. And I think the task force is uh, is important part to this. Thanks to DIAA Executive Director David Baylor for his time this week. And stay with us. We take a look at the current state of the Delaware residential housing market. That's next on The Green here on Delaware Public Media.